This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today I want to play a message that was preached by my pastor at Temple Baptist Church on Memorial Day Sunday. I think it's something we all need to hear. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 34. The Bible says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And tonight I want to preach on this subject, Freedom is not free. President Ronald Reagan, who happens to be my favorite president, said these words, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in our bloodstream. It must be fought for and protected and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in the United States of America where men were free. Boy, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And that's where we are right now in America, where we are forgetting the sacrifice and what it took for us to have our freedom. I love the red, white, and blue. I love the American flag, old glory. I love the national anthem. And by the way, I personally believe when the national anthem is played, that someone should stand to their feet, put their hand over their heart, and give attention to that flag. It irks me to think of football players who run away and hide in their locker rooms when the national anthem is being played. And it also irks me when I see even people that say they're saved when the national anthem is being played, dinking and piddling with other things. No, my friends, people died for that flag and died for our freedom and died for our liberty. And may God help us to give attention to that flag and to the national anthem. I love the statute of liberty. I love the declaration of independence. I love these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. I'm glad that the government does not give me my rights. I got my rights from creator almighty God. And that's what we believe as Bible believers. I love the Constitution of the United States of America. By the way, I love our Baptists, John Leland and others, who were instrumental into getting I love the Bill of Rights into our Constitution. And I love all the Bill of Rights, but I especially love that First Amendment, where it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and that's where we have lost that even over the last few weeks I like what one guy said he said if the nation's churches must shut their doors and shut down so should the nation's newsrooms no freedom of religion okay then let's take away freedom of press I tell you our country would be bought better off if we got rid of the press more than we got rid of religion I promise you that I'm just saying tonight, I love the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I thank God that if you cut me open, that I bleed American. I am a proud, red-blooded American. And I am so grateful to live in this land. My grandma Bixler, she's still living. She's 92 years of age, 92 and a half, she'll be 93 in December. She had two brothers. And uh, the one died because of the Spanish flu in 1918. And the other one died... In World War II, he was a pilot, and his plane got sabotaged, 
And he went up in the air as a pilot, and it exploded. And my grandma, I remember when I was a boy, her telling the story, how she remembers a man in a uniform coming to their house and telling her mom and dad that news. My grandma Bixler, her her dad, my great-grandpa Stevenson, I've told you before, he was 104 years of age. He was born in 1888 and lived in 1992. He's a circuit-riding preacher in western Pennsylvania. He had four churches at the same time. And during the Depression, he can go back to some of those little churches and he'd get a whopping 32 cents one Sunday and 29 cents one Sunday. And, you know, the old-fashioned circuit-riding preacher. And his wife, my great-grandma Stevenson, godly woman, my grandma said when that service member came to the door and said those words, we just want to thank you for your son's sacrifice for our country. He gave the ultimate sacrifice that my great-grandma Stevenson, it would be his mom, just passed out. And I think every mom would understand that, wouldn't they? I'm saying tonight I love the bravery of America. I love the history of America. I love the beauty of America. But I tell you what else I love. I love the freedom of America. I guess I would say above all, I love the fact that I was born in America because it allowed me to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was able to be saved, obviously through the gospel, but also because I was so blessed to live in America. Again, our text, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I want to give you three thoughts tonight about America. Would you jot them down? Number one, America has a great past. And the reason for that is because of our text. Righteousness exalteth the nation. Whenever there is righteousness in a nation, God exalts that nation. And we see that through the history. Whether it be Israel, certainly Great Britain, and certainly the United States of America. Righteousness exalts a nation. And in our great past, we have had righteous days. And God exalted this nation like no other nation. Psalm 33 and verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Any nation is blessed that makes God the Lord of that nation. And when we are a righteous nation, then God is free to bless the United States of America. I want to remind you tonight, contrary to what the secularists and progressives will tell you, America was, America was founded upon Christian principles and righteousness. It was founded upon the truths of God's holy word. Again, not every founding father and not every colonist and not everyone that landed on the shores of America was a saved person. I understand that. But the ideal was we're going to base it on Christian principles principles and we're going to base it on righteousness. I think about the pilgrims when they landed on Plymouth Rock 1620. The very first thing they did was kneel down and thank God for giving them safety. You can say it this way. Our nation literally began on its knees thanking God for his providence and his mercy. May God help us to get back to our knees and thank God for his providence and his mercy once again. They made their Mayflower compact in the name of God and for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. And I quote their very words. They came to this nation for religious liberty. And you always have to differentiate the pilgrims and the Puritans. I like to trace things back to the pilgrims. They were separatists and they left to get to America for freedom. The Puritans did as well, but boy, they were just purifying the Catholic Church and purifying other Protestant 
in churches. And so they brought a lot of that reformed theology and that religious persecution with them. And we see that in the early days uh, there in Massachusetts. And so then Roger Williams goes uh, to Rhode Island. And I thank God for Roger Williams and John Clark and Isaac Backus and John Leland, Shubal Stearns and those Baptists that stood up for what is right. And thank God we have freedom in America. I'm saying tonight this nation was born in the fires of revival. The fires of revival swept across this land from 1740 to about 1770. We call it the Great Awakening. In 1741, I believe July 8th, if my memory serves me correctly, Jonathan Edwards stood up and read that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and God shook Enfield, Connecticut, and God began to shake New England. And then George Whitfield began to preach from Savannah, Georgia, up through Philadelphia and along the Atlantic coast. And man, the fires of revival began to stir in the 1740s and in the 1750s. And God was doing a work because our nation was literally founded right off of the heels of the Great Awakening as far as its constitution and its independence. Thank God for His mercy, right, in that behalf. What I like to always think about, I know Brother Pierre studied this too, but how many of those that got saved in the Great Awakening then got into Baptist churches? And man, we saw an explosion of Baptist churches, especially uh, there in Virginia and certain other parts of our nation. And so you think about that, how our nation, 1740, 1750, 1760, man, the fires of revival were stirring in America, leading us right into when our country was birthed in 1776. So I can say emphatically by studying history, not revisionist history, but true history, that our nation was literally birthed out of revival. Our Constitution, 1789, literally was birthed out of the Great Awakening. Again, our Bill of Rights, our First Amendment, they were birthed out of this thing called the Great Awakening and birthed from our Baptist forefathers. Again, thank God for John Leland and his work with James Madison and then the Danbury Baptist up in Connecticut. And oh, praise God that our religious liberties came forth from this Great Awakening. I'm saying tonight, righteousness exalteth the nation. By the way, freedom is a gift from God to mankind. God made every person a free moral being. We believe that at Temple Baptist Church. Freedom is a gift from God. The government doesn't give us that. It's a gift from God. And we are in a democracy. We read this morning the Gettysburg Address, which said this, that democracy is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we have gotten a long ways away from that. It is not a democracy for the elite and by the elect, and by the rich and faith. No, it's by the people and for the people and of the people. On the other hand, socialism is an enhancement of governmental powers at the expense of every individual. And we've got to fight this socialism tooth and nail. Daniel Webster, the great orator, said this on June 3, 1834, and I quote, God grants liberty only to those who love it and are always ready to guard it and defend it. And may God help us to guard it and defend it. President Woodrow Wilson, which I disagree with almost everything of him, but he said this, and it was good. The history of liberty is a history of the limitation of government power, not the increase of government power. Could I say tonight, Temple Baptist Church, freedom is non-negotiable. Freedom cannot be taken away ever. 
ever. We've got to fight for our freedom. I think of what Patrick Henry said. And by the way, he said it in a church in 1775. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. He said that in the state right above us, in the state where the governor is fighting all their liberties on the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. How sad that state has declined since 1775. I'm saying tonight, righteousness exalteth the nation. I know I've said this quote before, but to me it is so powerful by Alexis de Tocqueville there in 1831, the Frenchman who came to America to find out what married America so great. Curious to see what he would find out. He said, I found that it was not in our natural resources or in our ingenuity or in our wealth. And this is his quote. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard the pulpits flame with righteousness. That's what our Bible says. Did I understand the secret of the genius and power of America? America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Man, the Bible echoes that text, or maybe he echoed the Bible. I'll say it that way. America has been a great nation because America has been a good nation. We have been a righteous nation. I'm not saying everyone is righteous. I'm not saying everyone is saved. But by and large, we had some morality and some decency and some character and some integrity and some righteousness in the United States of America. But that is vanishing way right before our eyes. Again, there was a time when America was built upon the pulpits, of Amer- upon the pulpits in America. Man, men of God would thunder forth the word of God and say, Thus saith the word of the Lord. And not worry about tickling men's ears, but worry about what does God say on this subject. And man, God's people would respond and come down a sawdust trail and repent. And they would get things right between them and God. And people would get born again. And man, righteous fire stirred across this nation. And I say, Oh God, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? And when we were a righteous nation, God exalted us like no other nation. I mean, we are so blessed in America. It's as if God just said, I'm going to exalt this nation. It's a righteous nation. It has righteous pulpits and it has righteous people. And it's getting the gospel out to the uttermost parts of the earth. There's righteousness in this nation and it's exalting this nation. And so number one, we have a great past. But I've got to say this, number two, America has a great problem. Because this verse in my Bible does not stop there at nation. Righteousness exalted the nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Somehow we think that that doesn't apply to America. But any people means even the good old United States of America. America is a great past because we have been a righteous nation, but America has a great problem because we are no longer a righteous nation. And sin is a reproach to any people. A lack of righteousness is the demise of any nation. Sin brings a reproach to any nation, including the United States of America. Boy, I read this verse so often in Psalm 9, verse 17, and every time I read it, it makes me shake. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Again, there's no exclusion to that. There's no exception to the rule to that. 
Well, every nation that forgets God, they're not going to, they'll be turned to hell. Except for America, somehow, you know, our economy and somehow our brilliance and somehow our technology and somehow our ingenuity and somehow just the fact that we are America, we're the biggest, baddest dudes in the world. No, sin is a reproach to any nation. And the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God, including America. And so we have a great problem in America I want to expound upon that and say the pulpits in America have failed us. The pulpits in America have been, become places that tickle men's ears. I'm thinking of 2 Timothy 4, 2, where he says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And then he talks about they will want their ears tickled. And boy, we have succumbed to that where we tickle men's ears and we preach self-esteem, psychological babble. We preach sermonettes instead of preaching what does the Bible say on a subject. And we skirt around issues that maybe in our modern contemporary society and in our modern contemporary day and in our modern contemporary America what might make people uh, a little uneasy or upset, maybe offend someone. I want to tell you, my friends, we've got to preach the Bible and what call God, what God calls sin sin and what God calls right right say it as God says it oh I'm saying we need a revival of some old-fashioned leather lung Bible preaching again that says right is still right and wrong is still wrong and I lay the blame right here at the pulpits in the United States of America always mindful of that passage in Ezekiel 22 I saw for men among them who would take up the hedge but I found none. Stand in the gap, take up the hedge, but I found none. And he goes through the people, and he goes through the princes, and he, but he begins with the prophets. And so many of God's men have failed to stand up and preach and declare the word of God. The pulpits in America have failed us. May God help us to always preach the truth no matter the outcomes. I want to say also the people in America have failed us. Sadly, many of the people have only done what the pulpits have not warned them about. But let's be honest, many Americans profess to know the Lord as their Savior, but they live completely otherwise. People that say they're saved have failed us in America. Let me go one step further. People that go to Baptist churches have failed us in America. We don't have a walk with God. We're not every day in the Word of God. We're not every day in prayer. Judgment must begin at the house of God, 1 Peter 4, 17, and with God's people. And so we can say, well, what about this person? And what about that person? Uh, what about me? What about you? What about God's people? I mean, we've lost our walk with God. We put other things. I guess one of the things that's bothered me or troubled me through this pandemic was, I was just praying and hoping that I would see a greater humility and change of heart and falling on people's face. And I just don't see it even amongst God's people. It's just the same as it's always been. And the same's not going to cut it. God's people have no walk with God. They listen to godless music. They watch ungodly shows and movies. They dress in an ungodly way. They say ungodly words. They put other things as a priority over God's house. And I understand right now with some health things, but it does always baffle you as a preacher when you see, when you come across someone in Walmart, or they just don't want to go to church because they're afraid of things. But you see them in Walmart Lowe's. 
If I was afraid to go to the house of God, I wouldn't be going anywhere else. That's me. What about this one? God's people haven't voted like we should. I mean, we, we fuss about the governors and we fuss about the judges, and I'm the, probably the world's worst in my attitude. I have to really watch it. Chad Connolly, he's a conservative. He said if every Christian would vote in California, that they would win every single election, from the governor to every judge all the way down through. But he said we can't get Christians out to vote. Now, that, is, that blew me away, and Chad Connolly studies that stuff inside and out. If that's true in California, what do you think about North Carolina? I'm saying, folks, in November, we have a presidential election, we have a governor election. We've got some big spots here. We need every one of God's people voting. It's high time for God's people to get serious. Hey, the pulpits have failed us. The people have failed us. Let's not let them off the hook now. The politicians in America have failed us. I mean, the left-wing liberal ideology has hurt America. The handout socialistic mindset has hurt America. My grandpa Bixler has been with the Lord since 2005. He had thousands of sermons. But I have a huge stack of them. This week I was... I was going through, uh, I was in my, going through the file cabinet and going through those sermons. I was looking for one specific message that I remember, uh, just remember reading before. The one said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I began to read it. He would always write down on the back the date he, he preached it. And the date was July, I can't remember if it was 4th, 5th, but it was the, the week of July 4th, 1982. And here's what he had in his notes in 1982. Is that 38 years ago? Am I doing that right? He put down in this message, and I quote, America is well down the road to socialism. Unless turned around, it will become communism. He wrote that in 1982. I'm like, what? What would he say about our handout socialistic society of today? One of the great concerns I have with this quarantine is we are all prone to laziness. And buddy, if you cannot work and you can get something from the government to your flesh, that feels good. And to me, we better beware because they are programming. Propaganda 101. Depend upon the government. No, I think we should depend upon God myself. Number one, America has a great past. Why? Because righteousness exalted the nation. We are righteous. America has a great, a great problem. What is that? Sin is a reproach to any people. Number three, I want to finish on a more optimistic note. America has a great potential. Say, preacher, after you just said all those things, it's doom and gloom. People listen to the news over, they listen to the news over God. I've teased for 12 years and said, if I could get God's people to listen to God like they do Channel 3, man, we'd have revival in our church. Here's the great potential. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is reproached to any people. America has a great potential because if we become a righteous nation again, then God can exalt us again. The theme should not be, and I'm not trying to be corny here, make America great again or keep America great again. 
Make America righteous again. Now, I want to say that to say this. Many people think it's too late for America. And I, I don't believe that. I still believe that we can see the, the winds of revival sweep through our country. Because, and I haven't studied uh, revivals as much as some, but I've tried to read and, and study some of those. And boy, I tell you, man, those revivals came in some dark hours in their days as well. And so if God did it before, then God can do it again. If we'll get thoroughly right with God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Edmund Burke said, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Now let's put a big bullseye on all of us and say, Too many good men and women in America have done nothing while we allowed evil to triumph in America. We have fiddled while America has been burning. And I believe, and, and I'm seeing some of this and it excites me, that this pandemic has awakened some preachers and churches in America. And I'm excited about that. If we're not careful, I, I can get this Elijah mentality. <laughs> you know, man, we're the only ones that have not bowed down to Baal. Because sometimes you feel that way. Remember what, remember what God told the prophet Elijah, the Tishbite? I have 7,000 that have not bowed. And I want to tell you, there are some great Baptist churches and Baptist preachers across this country who have not bowed to Baal. And I thank God for that. So we have a remnant. I've been studying in my just personal time remnant. I, I've been looking up. Look up. If you have a concordance, look up every time that word remnant is found in your Bible. Because I always see that all through the Word of God. The remnant there in Israel and the remnant with uh, Ezra and the remnant with Elijah, I mean uh, Nehemiah. And you see that remnant. And, and if you look around, America still has that remnant. And so may God help us not to give up in our prayers and seeking the Lord. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Joshua 23. While you turn Joshua 23, let me give you another quote from Ronald Reagan. He was so quotable. To preserve our blessed land, we must look to God. It is time to realize that we need God more than he needs us. We also have this promise that we could take to heart with regard to our country, America. That if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what President Reagan said to our country. And that's so true. It's the Bible. Joshua 23.10. I stumbled across this verse. I believe God led me there. But here's the thought I'll leave you with. But the Bible says, One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. So one guy devoted to God was worth a thousand people. I want to preach on that sometime because I started to think about that in the Bible. I mean, was it not one Samson that defeated one thousand Philistines? 
Remember that great story of Jonathan? I mean, he, he said, I know God can save by many or by few. And man, he went in there by himself with his bodyguard, his armor bearer. And man, they went in and took over that Philistine guard. And we see that all through the word of God. Here's the thought that hit my mind. One praying Christian is worth a thousand unbelievers. We cannot lose the power of one praying person in America. Again, I go back to the Welsh revival that we have talked about before here at our church and those two faithful praying women. One man of you shall chase a thousand. In our Sunday school class, we studied numerology back in the early part of this year. The word, or two words, 1,000. They come up a lot. And we'll just say one word as far as one number, 1,000. It's interesting to study that and to study how one person devoted to Christ is worth a thousand others. So if that be the case, what could our remnant do right here if we would really get serious about praying? And the remnant that we see in America, good Bible-believing people, I mean devoted to Jesus Christ, there's still a remnant. And so I still feel like there's hope. We've got to get back to our prayer closets get on our faces before God and say, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, Go to our website, SolidFoundationMinistries.com or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.